Hello and welcome to Drafting the Dregs. This is your podcast for all things draft EPL. Uh, this week, lots to talk about. Some pretty rubbish scores, to be fair, but I have Dave Gilby and Mick with me as usual to discuss our draft fantasy league and everything that's going on. Now, boys, I haven't discussed this previous, but we've hit a milestone with the podcast. You'll be pleased to know. I know Dave is surprised. We have actually raised the bat. We've hit a ton of of listens, 100, 100 times our podcast has been listened to. Now, unless that's Dave's mum putting us on repeat, that means we actually have some people who are willingly, well, let me just say that, willingly listening to us dribble, which is fantastic. So thank you for those people who are. Um, I think that was Jeff pretending to work last week. Yes, I believe that that might have been something to do with it too, potentially uh, Jeff working uh, in quotation marks. So look, hey, we'll, we'll take every listen we can get. But I thought, boys, since we have raised the bat, hit the ton, I, I think a few people here might have played cricket in a past life. I'm not sure. But what would be the appropriate drafting the dregs, raising the bat celebration? Are we going with like a Davey Warner... Heaps of energy. What what are we doing, Dave? I don't know so much about celebration. I I just I don't really know at all, Isaac. I'm just daydreaming, just trying to think of what color Lamborghini I'm going to buy. Now that we've hit the big time, like mm. you know, step one, start pro podcast. Step two, hundred listens. Step three, mass profit. Isn't that the way it works? I'm pretty sure that's how it works for some reason. Uh, maybe burnt orange. Does that yeah, work? Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, cool. I thought Dave is going to volunteer to uh, kiss the badge on your jersey or, something, or kiss your trophy or something else along those lines. Is that a euphemism for something, Gilby? Well, you went there, Dave, so... <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, I, personally, you know, getting back to celebrations, we all like the aeroplane, right? We just... Arms out, run around the room, headphones on, podcast recording. Can well, we do we the, have the Daniel Medvedev, the uh, the dead fish, just run a long, complete stop? I think that that's a favourite on FIFA by us. That would be appropriate. I mean, if, we ever, if we ever manage to get Jeff on the podcast, he'll have to tell the story of the best goal he ever scored um, at the back of Kenmore one day. For those people in Brisbane, if you know Kenmore, uh, playing lowest division possible church football, Jeff scored a volley from about 20 metres into the top corner and proceeded to rip his shirt off and take around, take a lap around the field. So I'm oh. hoping Jeff will tell that story one day. Beautiful. Oh, for some reason, I can't get the vision out of my mind. I remember one Jeff scoring. It was a one nil win by us on the team we played for, where uh, Jeff scored a free kick in a torrential downpour, where both teams struggled to dribble the ball because the ball wouldn't roll. He scored a free kick. He proceeded to run over to his uh, now ex partner and dropped a knee and kissed his ring towards her. Um, I do remember that celebration. That was a good <laughs> one, particularly knowing what's happened now, but. I just remember distinctly remember, I'm pretty sure it might have been yourself, Isaac, or maybe Nathan, trying to get played through on goal, running through, dribbling the ball, and then the ball stopping and us keep running. It was quite impressive. You can't be – well, you ended up playing yourself offside when you kicked your own ball. So it was, it was quite impressive, really. But, yeah, that, that's a pretty good celebration as well, the, 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 the knee drop and kiss the ring. I've just got visions of topless Jeff trying to kiss his own ring. <laughs> just what everybody needs. 
Um, so thank you to those hundred listeners. <laughs> a few and of you, you might never stop have now. to come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I started this conversation on how best we celebrate. My apologies. Please skip this part if required and move forward. And we will hopefully get into something decent around EPL. We'll, we'll wait and see. Unlikely. <laughs> Four minutes twenty-five. Timestamp it. Start recording here. <laughs> Oh, lovely. No, very good. Look, it's a, it's a good milestone. Um, and, uh, you know, we just hope a few people don't mind listening to us and, and get a bit of a laugh. So thank you for all those who are. You can catch us at drafting underscore dregs on um, Twitter. And uh, guys, I think it's about time we get on to moments of the week for uh, the latest game week in, in EPL. Um, I might shoot over to, to Gilby. Um, what have you got for us this week? What was your moment of the week? Well, um, we have had a bit of discussion on this podcast about our old friend Werner, um, who I took with a first round pick last season, and then proceeded to do precisely nothing for the entire season. Um, So then this year, um, I'm not sure who had him at first, but Dave... Uh, Dave had him at first, all right? So Dave put the curse on him as usual um, of being Dave's team, and we all know that once you leave Dave's team, your value then goes up. Um, so Jeff has managed to pick him up on the free trade wire and brought him in, and he has actually scored. Um, so, I mean, big moment for him who actually scored a goal, and it was a relatively important goal to go ahead against Southampton. So that was my moment of the week of my old friend Werner uh, doing his best to screw over Dave and then scoring for Jeff. I must say that um, he actually had he had one disallowed before that as well. I was watching at the time and I thought, oh, here we go again. Poor, poor guy. He's going to start the game with Lukaku for the second time in a row and still not get anything. Um, and I was also just going to mention that uh, when you picked him up, Gilby, I think I've told this story before, but Nathan was actually meant to pick him up. And... Um, uh, called out the the wrong German footballer. He said Havertz instead of Werner, and Werner was the one he wanted. So he could have he could have saved just some trouble there, but that uh, you know wasn't meant to be in this case. I saw a stat the other day that Timo Werner with VAI has had something like sixteen goals overturned in the time he's been at Chelsea alone. Yep. I'm just trying to look up. He's only been there for what a season and eight matches. So out of a possible 46 matches or something like that, he's had 16 goals overturned. That's one every three. Now, he had a pretty good goal-scoring record in Germany. I'm not sure if they had VR or not, but how many of those maybe weren't actually goals? (laughs) I've got it right here. So when he was at Leipzig for Red Bull, he was 159 games, 95 goals with 40 assists. That's almost an attacking return a game. It's his style of play where he is very, very quick. So he does play in the last man. So he's always going to be pushing the boundaries with the offside. So with the way the offside is ruled now with VAR, where it only has to be one hair from your armpit offside, um, I think that's probably going to work against some of those really quick players that play in the last man. So that's probably the reason why I'd say that. So what you're saying is the guys that cheat are now getting caught cheating. Is that what you're saying, Gilby? Again, Dave, that's more with what you're thinking rather than what everyone else is thinking. But anyway, you reckon keep that's, moving. that's just the defender in me talking? He scored 14 goals for Chelsea and he's had 16 overturned. So does that mean every second goal is actually not a goal? I mean, that, that, that's statistically correct, yeah. right? Yeah, so, so he should have had half the goals that realistically he got 
in well, for Leipzig. That's amazing. Impressive record, really. Quite oh, impressive. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Now, we might turn our attention to um, Dave's moment of the week. Um, I know this one's close to your heart, Dave. Um, so let's talk all about it. Dilly ding, dilly dong. Game on. Um, yes, we, Watford, have a new manager. Uh, I believe it's our 12th uh, manager in uh, the nine-odd years that the Pozzos have been owners of the club. Uh, you could argue that it's 13 because we had Kike Sanchez-Flores uh, subject himself to two of those stints. Um, yeah, new manager again. Can't say I'm surprised, uh, but I am surprised that it was Ranieri. It's very much not a typical Pozzo uh, style appointment in that he has some experience and someone knows him. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I think like we were, we were talking about this before in that, you know, they're in 15th place, pretty much level with Crystal Palace, having one more win than Crystal Palace, but they've pulled the trigger already. And they're not a team that potentially look like they're going to be going down at the moment. Like you've got Norwich, Newcastle and Burnley. So it just seems really strange to pull the trigger now, unless there was like player unrest with the coach. Or, but he'd, he'd done such a good job for them in the championship. I just don't understand it. Yeah, so he did come in. Um, he's been with us for 10 months. He obviously uh, got us out of a bit of a sticky situation last season and we finished in the championship second. So automatic promotion, which was good. Um, yes, it's only seven games in. We were... 12th until we lost to Leeds this weekend um, and we're still sitting 15th which you know for Watford staying in the league is as good as winning the league um, so yeah it's a tough one but the official line from the club is that they have seen uh, I don't know the exact I can't remember the exact wording but there's been a negative trend in the way that the team's been um, performing at a time when they think that the squad should be starting to gel and improve. So it's, you know, it's the Watford way. Managers don't get time to stick around. I did see an interesting thing regarding the Ranieri um, appointment. Now, we, we spoke about, we spoke messages or sent messages, I think it was yesterday when it came out, about um, Diego Martinez, who was the heavy favourite at the time to become the manager. Then Ranieri came from the clouds pretty pretty quickly, really, to swoop in. But just, I think, with the personnel that Watford have and the type of game that Ranieri likes to play, I'm almost thinking that I think Rani, it almost seems to me like Ranieri might have been the one that came forward and said, you have a very similar kind of build-up to the team that he had with Leicester, particularly, in the way they like to play. He's got capable wing-backs who can defend as well as get forward, with Messina and Firmino, I think it is. Um, so and then uh, that he doesn't have I guess outstanding centre backs but if they can win a ball in the air defensively can uh, I guess play a style that he wants set up the low block sit from there the guys up front are quick enough like Jamie Vardy like Riyad Mahrez I would say it's probably hard to compare but that is mainly so the way he's playing this year could almost do a Riyad Mahrez Dennis and Jao Pedro could almost do a Vardy. 
Um, you've got uh, King there as well, who's similar. Vardy's obviously, I mean, there's a record he's just passed as well, which could almost be a, um, a moment of the week, the most goals after a 30, after turning 30. But th- those guys can all, I guess, play that kind of role. So it'd be interesting to see if, if maybe the management style and the, the personnel they have is part of the reason as to why they've gone with Ranieri. Maybe they've seen a similarity to the squad and said, well, yes, we're not aiming for a Premier League title, but maybe with this personnel, this is the management style that will suit us to actually save us for our season. And Ranieri is not the type of guy that will always, I guess, long-term, but kind of like the Aussie goose when he went back to Chelsea, get him out of a hole and then reset up for next year. I know Isaac wants to jump in, but just quickly while we're talking about that, Isaac, uh, he's going to have to make an impact very quickly. We could be on to our third manager of the season by the time Christmas comes because our run from here on uh, is away to Liverpool. Uh, Sorry, home to Liverpool, away to Everton, home to Southampton, away to Arsenal, home to Man U, away to Leicester, home to Chelsea, and home to Man City. Wow. So the next, what's that? Two, four, six. The next eight games are incredibly tough. And we may be on the lookout for a new manager after that. That says a couple of things to me. Probably number one being that uh, maybe there weren't two managers in, too many managers in for the job given that run. And uh, potentially Ranieri didn't uh, put a, a clause in his contract to be paid out once he gets the sack like that. That's a really harsh run for any manager. Does it let alone one just coming in? But what I was going to say, Mick, I think you hit a fair few, really a fair few good points there. But the one thing that I will say, like, I know you say it's a team like the team he had. Um, they don't have a Vardy. Like Vardy was, it is special. Like in terms of his finishing, they haven't got, that clinical, clinical finisher that's going to score them that many goals. Like, I think they do a lot of good things and they'll continue to do a lot of good things. Um, but Vardy was just spectacular in that season. And I just, I, you know, they, they might be able to stay up, but, you know, I don't know. I think you mean, they can't find, you mean they can't find one of their 12 strikers to be one Vardy? Well, no. maybe he'll just keep rotating them. I don't know. But I'm yeah, that, that's a big back. difference for me. Like you can you can set up that as many. Like, you can play that style and create heaps of chances, but you got to be able to finish. Yeah, it'd be interesting to go back to that Leicester season. If you went through Vardy's goals and say took away half of them by random, maybe every second goal to see. Okay, yes, Watford's not trying to win a Premier League title, but if you took away half of his goals, or maybe even two thirds of his goals, would that be enough for a Leicester team that wasn't really challenging in any way, even for top half? Would that save them? I reckon if, if, if they get a third of the goals that Vardy had across their strikers, that should be enough for a Watford team to stay up if Ismaili Sarr can continue what he's doing with maybe a little bit more freedom. My, my issue with them is I don't know if they've got the centre-backs capable to play the style that he wants to play. I don't know if they're defensively solid enough to do what they want. Um, yeah, Goalkeeper-wise, I think Ben Foster, I don't know if he's even the first choice, but if Backman's better than Foster, um, I think goalkeeper-wise abilities there but I think in a team like that you don't just need a goalkeeper you need a statesman that can actually set up a team to play that block to tell exactly where you need to be and I mean you just look at Schmeichel and the way he's grown he, he should be in a bigger team than Leicester in my opinion Schmeichel should be replacing it with Peter Schmeichel's obviously uh, link there he in my opinion he should be at Man U instead of De Gea 
yesterday obviously had a great game last week, I think it was, or made a couple of key saves in the last couple. But I still think Casper's a better keeper and should be at a bigger club. Yeah, um, the Ben Foster-Backman thing will play out fairly soon, uh, I think. Foster's obviously been a good keeper for many, many years, but he's getting old now and he's had a few very poor decisions in the last few games. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Backman uh, came in for him after the international break. Um, we've got Trooster Kong in the centre of defence who um, has potential, but he's definitely not what I would call you know solid. Uh, and Cathcart is usually partnering him, and there's not much special about him. Maybe January is where it happens. Go in for maybe another, I won't say prolific striker, but another striking option that can play more of that hit-and-run style and a an old-school, maybe a Gary Cahill type. Where's he playing now? I think he went down into the championship from memory, but did a job yeah. for Palace last year. He did. Maybe they can loan out like 15 of their their attackers at the same time to try and, you know, ease that wage bill. But no, you, were uh, saying, you were talking about the Chelsea model earlier, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Just buy literally everyone and then loan out 99% of them. Hey, it's worked for them, apparently. So, uh, look, I think uh, some good discussion there. Hopefully, hopefully. Now, Dave, Watford are the bees, right? Even though their logos are moose. Is that right? Yeah. You- having a go at me or no no because i was i just i just had thought up like hopefully the bees can can you know regain their sting so the hornets but are they the hornets oh, okay sure and the logo is a heart not a moose is it? very very touchy subject anyway are you sure <laughs> does that mean carry when on. brentford plays watford it's the bees versus the hornets it is yeah oh nice there's derby yeah. right i mean sure <laughs> That would be. I'd love to see the mascots uh, have their I'm own just, sort of battle on the on the. I'm just looking at pitch. Watford's logo right now, and that heart clearly has eyes and antlers, Dave. So uh, where do you see a it's heart? Not not like a love heart, you muppet. <laughs> There's a thing called Google, right, Gilby? I don't know if you're down with the internet yet. I, I've Googled. Watford's I don't know if his internet logo. connection's <laughs> fast enough. Heart is another name for a male deer, apparently. Yes. And Watford are from Hertfordshire. The Hertfordshire logo is the heart. So then why are they called the Hornets? <laughs> I don't understand this, Dave. I mean, me Wikipedia, Wikipedia does say a heart is a male deer and it may now be considered mostly poetic and archaic. So, you know, bringing back Ranieri really suits them, apparently. <laughs> well, And yeah, I don't know how that translates to a Hornet. Whatever. Well, I mean, speaking I, of Google, the top question on Google is, why is Watford's logo a moose? So, what, the, he said the, to trust Google. The top question on Google? Like, all of Google? That's the one top question? Well, the top question for Watford logo. So, it comes up with, why is Watford's logo a moose? Answer, it is not. It is a heart. But it sort of is. <laughs> I think, I just hope, uh, look, Watford to me seem like they're really confused. I just hope that they're not confused about their particular managerial appointment. So let's, let's maybe, hopefully they didn't mean another Rieri or something like that. Or 
fingers crossed for you, Dave. I have, I'm, yeah, I'm we'll, holding all hope for you. We'll see. <laughs> Very nice. Look, I might jump into my moment of the week and then we'll round off with mix. So my moment of the week was a particular goal scored in the Manchester United-Everton game. It was the Everton goal, the equaliser, um, which was pretty much a counter-attack from um, a Man United corner, and which culminated in Townsend uh, slotting one past De Gea. And a couple of things here. Firstly, it showed that United have issues with defensive midfield because one of those two players who got the ball before Townsend probably should have been brought down uh, which is an issue. And secondly, that celebration from Townsend, which uh, he was he was apparently paying homage to his idol, Ronaldo, with his uh, mock version of Ronaldo's celebration at the corner post, which was sensationally under-practiced, I think. But the attempt was just sensational. So all credit to him for doing that. It was a good goal. He, he, he finished really, really well. But the celebration just needs a little bit more improvement, Andros, and I think you're, you've almost nailed it. I uh, saw an interesting uh, reaction and comment. I think it was Owen Hargraves, former United midfielder, who said regarding that exact goal about Fred not taking down Damari Gray, um, he's had two cracks at it. It can't happen. So Alex wouldn't forgive you for that. You wouldn't have played for a month, and I'm serious about that. So I think it says enough about the professionalism. I mentioned it last week. One of the, I think it might have been um, Ruben Diaz took out somebody, whoever they played last week, uh, just a pure defender's tackle copy yellow card. It's to stop goals like that. So I guess something to look at as well. To I be mean, fair, we'll... some people might argue that Fred hasn't actually played for like three seasons. So, yeah. Sure, but it's your What's one another job? month then, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if it was Roy Keane, it would have been either the kneecap goes past or the player goes past, not both. So, I mean, he's got some models there to learn from. I haven't heard Roy Keane's take on that yet, but I, he has not been kind to Fred in the past. So or anyone. Certain, well, true, but anyway, just ask Alfinger Harland. But, um, yeah, I mean, that would have been an interesting one. I mean, Gilby, you're a well-established defensive midfielder. You would, you would know, though, that, like, when you're looking at a situation like that... Uh, you have to recognise that oh we're in trouble here. This is not good. We need to. I need to do something about this, or at least get get in the way of what's happening. Like it's so important. I think that you acknowledge that and just go ahead and do it. It's. Just, I don't understand why he didn't or how he didn't have the strength to do it. I just. Uh, I don't know. The mind boggles. I think that's a lot of issues. Shows a lot of issues that United have at the moment. Well, I mean, not comparing myself to a Premier League midfielder at all, but um, I think you should. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did play that role generally for us when we played um and through how many years did i play 20 something years i played i only got one yellow card which was uh another of our players scott for a long long time we're defending a free kick on our line after a handball or a back pass i can't remember which one it was and scott shoved me out of the goal to try and block a shot and i got the yellow card for breaking the line so that was the only yellow card i got in 20 something years of playing so it's not for me to talk about 
deliberately taking players out because I never did it and that just never occurred to me. But as far as taking players out, we did have several players who were more than prepared to do that. Um, I, I would have said my favourite one would have been another of our players that played for a long time, a guy called Chris Blatch, um, once oh. made an art form out of doing a professional foul where he literally almost ripped the entire shirt off an attacker rather than letting him go past. I think he had his shirt in both hands, literally hauling him back. So if you had to ask anyone about a professional foul, there's a few people in our team who would be much more expert than me. And then he would have argued the yellow too, which I think is fantastic. Just just to give us a breather, you know? How good. No, he needed the breather. <laughs> oh, lovely. Very, very nice. Look, we will move on. This is the last moment moment of the week. So, uh, Mick, what have you got for us? Mine's not really a moment. I guess it's almost like a stat of the week. But there was five clean sheets. So a quarter of the teams this week kept a clean sheet. Three of them were from the bottom five teams. So two in the relegation zone and one only just outside. So Burnley, Norwich, Leeds, Brighton, and Arsenal all kept clean sheets. Now, four of those teams obviously played each other. I think it was two goalless straws. Um, and then Leeds as well. But three of the worst defensive teams so far this year in the relegation zone. So Norwich, Burnley, and the relegation zone. Leeds just above it. Horrible are down to their fifth and sixth, I think, choice centre-backs. And then Brighton and Arsenal. Now, going into the start of the season, you'd probably expect Arsenal to beat Brighton. Probably coming into this week, you'd probably expect Brighton to beat Arsenal. Um, the fact that neither team scored, particularly why Brighton didn't beat Arsenal. Arsenal's defence has been pretty awful all year. Um, but yeah, just surprising. I guess that's where the clean sheets came from. I think that's probably reflected, though, when we go into our league wrap-up this week and how the scores went. Um, probably makes a little bit of sense why, I guess, it wasn't a massive scoring week. Yeah, that's true. And I must say, I don't know about you guys, but I always look to see who Burnley and Norwich are playing in a game week because at the moment, you know, they're at the bottom. Um, and because they were playing each other, I, I almost, I almost decide to bring in a Burnley defender to try and get a clean sheet point because I was pretty I was pretty sure that they'd at least keep a clean sheet. Wasn't so sure about Norwich keep, keeping a clean sheet. But my options, well, the person I was going to bring in was Ben Mee and then he didn't end up playing anyway. So I'm lucky that I didn't. So there, there you go. Well, there, when we get to trades in a second, we will talk about a trade that was made and um, I'll give you my thoughts on that one. Very good, and we're almost at that point. But first, we do need to have a look at Mixed Magnificent, Mega Miracle, Magic Marvelous, Multi from last week. So if you were to rate rate your efforts with that multi-mic, what would your rating be from 0 to 10? I mean, looking purely this week, I mean, I guess I got two out of the three legs, so a 6.6 would be about right, right? Um, but I think if you compare it to every other week so far, man, that's got to be a 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 because it didn't actually win. But comparatively, hey, I got a leg right. That's a star, right? Um, oh, I love the standards. I, I love it. I, I, I picked a result for Brentford of draw or win, which happened. Picked both teams to score, which happened. Um, but I did the, – the thing that let me down was Ben Rama to be first goal scorer. He uh, failed to score a goal. Um Unfortunately, Jared Bowen got that goal, but did have four shots. Um, they all did come after the first goal, though. So, But I think Brentford looks pretty good. So, I mean, as much as I did get two of the three legs, I don't know if he was really a threat to get that first goal or not. But, hey, live and learn. That's, what, seven weeks down. I've only got 31 more chances at this, and hopefully one of those 31 goes, goes in. I mean, take enough shots, something's going to score, right? That was the... Sure. 
Well, I, let's I, go with that. I feel like that was mixed mantra as a football player. Um, well, it wasn't Dave's because I don't know how many shots he ever took in his life, except for at our own end. Hey, I scored in the right end twice, once off a penalty. I thought that was referring to your two kids then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not touching that. Family show, boys. Family show. So, we will jump into the waiver wire summary. So, Gilby, this is it. This is it. I think from from the hundred people that I've surveyed who've who've listened, I think um, this is their favorite segment. So, Gilby, no pressure. But what were the good waiver wire picks this week? What were the ones that uh, you're a little bit worried about? Let's hear them. All right, so pass fails again uh, from the top. Ben dropping Pookie for more pie. I know we talked last podcast about more pie saying he would not last long and he lasted to the first pick. So I would say that given Norwich's struggles with everything so far this season, not just defense, um, you'd probably say that's an upgrade. Just Um, really quickly, Gilby, who who else here had uh, more pie in their waiver? Just show of hands really quickly. There were three three managers had more pie. I I would have, but I'd already spoken to Ben and I knew he wasn't on the table, so I didn't bother putting it in. So yeah, when you said that last week, I was pretty confident it was more pie. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. So three people did try for more pie, but he went off the table first. So give that one a pass for now. Dan was next, dropping uh, James for Bowen, um, and I really did like Bowen earlier in the season, but I couldn't find him. A, couldn't find a spot for him at the time. He was one of the ones I looked for, um, maybe instead of Tealmans. But um, yeah, it's come, come down to Dan, and that would be an upgrade there, particularly given that James has not played at all really for Leeds. Um, so good one there. Mick was next, dropping Keane from Everton for Digne from Everton. So what, do you, what are your th- quick thoughts on that one, Mick? What are you hoping for there? I mean, for a guy that doesn't isn't playing, it's really interesting. But uh, Gilfie's not there anymore, so Dinya is going to be taking a hell of a lot more set pieces. Um, for a team that's normally, I guess, pretty good from the corners, um, corners, set pieces, you've got Keane, you've got Yerry Mina, you've got Holgate, you've got um, all of those guys that can get in from the... I guess, set piece and heading threat, aerial threats. He's a chance for a set piece. He's also, he can play as a really high up the field left back. So, and he's a left back, so he fits my team quite well, I think. So I just think as much as I think overall this season, um, Keane's got 29 points to Dinier 16. I think there's a, there's a couple of own goals. There's a two yellow cards already. Keane's got one goal already. So there's a few things there and reasons as to why there's not as many points, but, uh, long run, I think Dinier has more attacking return potential. All of those things suggest to me, Mick, that you shouldn't be picking him up compared to Keane then when he's had more points, right? Currently, yes. But I don't get points for what Keane's already scored. I have points for what he may score. And I I guess my I think Dinier will get more points in the long run than Keane will. And we can look back at that. What's the current difference? Would I say 12? 13. So hopefully from now, end of season, Dinier has at least more than 13 points. I don't really have anything to add on that whatsoever, Mick. This is more just stalling tactics because I know exactly what's coming up next. So feel free to just keep talking through Keane and Dinier as much as you want. Is, is now a good time to mention I didn't realise Sigurdsson was not playing? <laughs> Innocent till proven guilty. <laughs> 
<laughs> Alrighty. Oh dear. Let's let's okay. go. Let's move on. Moving, moving on from he who should not be named. Um, Dave was next on the waivers, and he dropped Fearpo, yeah, who did. he had spent the last podcast slating. Um, Zero point Fearpo. Livermento, and then Fearpo proceeded to score eight points for the round. So I'm going to say it's a temporary clank because I really like Livermento. I know a lot of people are moving for him, and he was one of the players I moved for um, later on in the waivers. So definitely, like, I would say at least a like for like, if not an upgrade in the long term. But Dave's curse hit again, and as soon as a player leaves Dave's team, he immediately plays better. So, Dave, what are your thoughts so far? I mean, the fact still remains that after seven weeks, Fupo has a grand total of net eight points. So that still gets shafted out of almost every team uh, when the opportunity arises. Yeah, I mean, I should have known better. Leeds were playing Watford, so it was bound to happen. Pretty sure Harry Kane only has nine. Ooh. So Harry Kane's got nine points, so maybe we should tell Ben, drop him. Worked for Dave. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, good reading. All right. So next up, um, after that clangor, was uh, Jeff dropping Lacazette. Um, he tried for more pie first, so he was one of the managers to go for more pie. But since he was gone, he was forced to settle for Werner, which actually ended up working out very well for him. So that'll be interesting one to keep an eye on whether or not Lacazette does end up starting for Arsenal, but definitely I'm going to say a pass for now. Next up was Nate dropping Kanate for Pinnock, uh, one of the Brentford centre-backs. So a 50-50 call on that one. If Kanate does get the starting berth, then, yeah, of course, it'd be worth more. But at the moment, it hasn't looked like it. I uh, saw that um, Gomez started on the bench and Matip started next to Van Dyke for Liverpool. So it looks like they're still continuing with that axis for now. But interesting one to look at going forwards. Isaac was next up, dropping Torres, who hasn't played now for three weeks in a row, for Embuemo. So Isaac hit his third great transfer in a row after two really good transfers, scored him his best points last week. So what are we thinking there? Long-term transfer or short-term for now, Isaac? Um, Given the way Brentford are playing, um, I could look at either of those as viable options, I think. Um, I think think they've got Chelsea next from memory. Um, Or no, maybe Everton. Uh, Anyway, they've got one of the higher-up teams. Um, but they could cause them problems. You know, I think that they're playing really well. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, you know, I, I do like these short, short-term picks to try and get points, um, and I will definitely be doing that at different parts of the of the year, but he's been playing really well, so at the moment I think I'll, I'll stick with him for a bit. Yeah, you got Chelsea, then Leicester, both at home. Mm. Yes, I mean, like that um, I would say is definitely a pass from me. Um whether or not you want to play Pep Roulette there, I'd be interested to see if anyone jumps for Torres in the next couple of weeks, but an interesting one. But I did notice that your first trade you tried to put through, you were the third manager to try for more pie by dropping King. So that was an interesting one that you are prepared to sacrifice King for him. Um, yeah. What are you thinking there? Is King like just short-term for you as well? Uh, I think he's got a injury flag at the moment, so probably... Um, plus what for the crap. So yeah. Plus he's uh, got an unknown manager flag. Yeah. So I think at the moment, 
yeah, I'll probably be looking at dropping him and, and trying to pick somebody else up if, if I can. But, yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, All right. Yeah, I was next. Um, I dropped um, Ailing for Pontus Janssen, who was my third pick because both Digne and Livramento were gone. So uh, I was forced to settle for Janssen, but um, he, over the last three weeks, has had either an attack and return or a shutout. So hopefully that continues for me going forwards there. Um, he was on my bench this week for another attack and return. So that was a frustrating one. But yeah, that, I'm pretty happy with that, really. Um, Dan then had a backup trade. He tried for Embuemo next as well. Didn't get that. And then he didn't get Pinnock for Cooper either. So then went to Mick. He tried to drop Bowen Dia for Bowen, which didn't work out for him because Bowen had already been gone. So interested to see uh, Mick's thoughts. What are you thinking, Mick? Are you going to hold Bowen Dia or are you looking to get rid of him? Um, he's one of probably three midfielders I'm currently looking at possibly getting rid of. So... There's, there could be a fair bit. I think my forwards... One and two draft and, pick midfielders? Uh, well, I mean, one of them's got to be in there, right? Um, I think across my forwards and defenders, I'm quite happy with what I've got and my goalkeepers. My mids are just weak as hell. So uh, that's why we'll get to it later. But there was a couple of trade offers thrown around. I'm trying to use what I have to try and get something better. better. Um, but I guess we'll wait and see. Hopefully... International break. Now, we know I'd never wish injury on anyone, but if a few injuries happened to help my team, even if it's just purely for trade value, great. Now, watch Havertz and Sterling come back with injuries, and, well, I guess it's forces the hand, I'll drop them. So, um, But, yeah, I think it was one of those. I was very much between the two. Um, Buendia hasn't been starting at all, and for a team that hasn't really been performing, at least Chelsea and City have been performing. So if they do come on, they're more of a chance to actually do something. So that's my theory there, but not really specific about that. I just thought Bowen was a great shout. Antonio's got a bit of a threat. He's kind of playing that backup secondary striker role. So I expected him to probably still be there, which is why I had Digne first. Um, I did not expect Bowen to go before with the second pick, but I expected Morpé and Digne to be the top two. And I was like, oh, well, if I get a midfielder, I get a midfielder. Because at the end of the day, I would have been pretty happy if I had Keane still. Um, as it turns out, it didn't make a difference. Those two trades I put through would have been the same regardless. Yeah, well, interesting one to see how Buendia goes then. Um, Dave was next up, dropping Delhi Alley for Cleek from Leeds. So what are you thinking there, Dave? Because I know Cleek kind of plays a very deep role for Leeds. He hasn't really contributed much in attacking sense. Are you more just going for reliable, consistent points there, or are you hoping that Cleek can actually get into the box? No, it was more just reliable consistency. Um, Deli Ali started the season quite well. His minutes have been tailing off, as has his influence. So, yeah, just felt it was probably a good time to move him on for someone a little bit more reliable without being um, outlandishly brilliant. Cool. All right. Well, um, I'm saying a 50-50 at the moment for that one. Um, Jeff then tried to drop um, Armstrong as his backup trades for more pie and Werner again. Um, so he, had, he was really keen to move on both his strikers there. Um, Nate had a backup trade of Janssen there, so he really rated the Brentford defence. And then Isaac had another backup option of Smith Rowe for Torres, but then traded Gabriel for Ben White. So he traded Arsenal centre-backs. 
I'll be interested to see because I think my theory here is that Isaac has deliberately blocked any other manager from taking an Arsenal centre-back, given the fact that they had good fixtures, at least for a round, by just swapping centre-backs. What are you thinking here, Isaac? Um, well, I don't know if it was anyone going for Ben White. Any, oh, sorry, going for Gabriel anyway? Oh, you were, Gilby. Was he your next trade? He was on my list. I expected right. him to maybe drop to free agents. Um, so I, I was going to basically see, because I didn't want to have like eight different theories for yep. waivers. And I thought, okay, I'll just prioritize what I really want to do, which is get rid of Ailing because he's knee injury. And then after that, I'll see what's available because he never really knew what would happen. Um, but yeah, I did not expect uh, you in particular to take Gabriel. Once he dropped all the way through that first round, I thought, oh, beauty, I'll grab him. But then, yeah, I saw you traded Arsenal centre-backs. Yeah, well, look, it, happy coincidence. Sorry, Dave, if you want to go. No, I was just going to say that I also had lined up Gabriel. He was my backup for Furpo, um, but it was very, very late in the piece that I changed my mind uh, and went for Livamento instead of Gabriel as my first option. So he was definitely on my radar as well. Um, but, yeah last minute pretty much I switched and put Livermento as my preferred option okay well, look I, I wish I I could say that yes that was the reason Gilby but it, it really wasn't um, it's a happy coincidence um, my main reasoning for doing that actually was because I was sort of looking through the scores from both players um, leading up to that point and I sort of had the feeling that maybe Gabrielle was better for bonus points. Um, and then as it turns out, White got a bonus point and Gabriel didn't this week. So, you know, hey, it happens sometimes. But that was my main reason. I just thought, hey, if Gabriel's fit, which he is, he, I just had the feeling he might score some more bonus points, which, you know, can come in handy. Um, I'm quite glad that it meant that you couldn't get um, six points or seven points even potentially for the week, which is fantastic for me. Um, so, hey, happy coincidence. You're very welcome, Gilby. Seven uh, points, yeah. that's uh, like gold. Yeah, particularly this round. Seven. Yeah, I'm sure there are a few of us who could, but I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. So the last two were free agent trades um, after the, all that waiver wire action. So Dan, in the second clanger for the round, Dan dropped Cooper uh, for Ben Mee, who that ended no. up costing him a oh. seven-point shutout, and me was zero points with an ankle injury. Oh. So that would have been a really useful seven points for Dan there. And then I tossed up. So this is my frustrating moment of the round. I was tossing up. I was going to drop Suyuntsu, the Leicester centre-back, and I tossed up either Tyrek Mitchell from Palace, uh, one of uh, Isaac's boys, or mm-hmm. I was strongly considering Ben Chilwell from Chelsea. Um, oh. and Chilwell ended up scoring a goal for Chelsea on his first start of the season, and Mitchell gave me a one- or two-point game. So I do like the look of Mitchell. I think he's been really um, really attacking, as he as he was for a lot of last season, and I think he'll do really well with Zaha on the left side there. But, yeah, that was a bit of a frustrating moment for me when I woke up and found Chilwell had actually scored a goal for Chelsea. So that was the end of the free agent-wise there, and sure, we'll probably get into a few of the other... Um, key transfers and other things a bit later. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it's interesting how some some people's rounds could have been vastly different. So if I look at Dan, for example, if he had have made not made that trade at the end, 
he would have been up in sixth place. He would have passed Mick. Um, and yourself, Gilby, because we're going to go straight on to the league now, you would have not dropped as many points to, to me this particular game week. So really, really interesting. Um, let's get into the league ladder. So I'm getting really sick of saying that Gilby is in the lead, but hey, that is, they are the facts. Gilby is still in the lead. Um coming coming first but only had 33 game uh, points this game week so um but Gilby you'll be pleased to know it doesn't get too much better than that to be fair everyone sort of really struggled this game week coming second 10 points behind is myself uh 40 points I was able to get gain seven points on Gilby so I'm like 10 behind now which is excellent uh up into third moved up into third is Jeff with game week of 44 points He's currently around 51 points behind me. Uh, and that means Nathan has dropped down to fourth on 38 points this game week on 303 points. Next is Dave, 39 points this game week on 299. And then we go into sort of the the, the, the bottom end of the table with Mick coming sixth. The dregs. The, the dregs, absolutely. So Mick, we apologize for that, but... Only 27 points this game week, which uh, Dave definitely does make doesn't apologise. Yeah, 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 Dave de- does not apologise. No, he's not. And 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 Dave's got a little cushion nope. between him and you, Mick, so I'm sure he's quite uh, pleased about that. Um, Dan is following you. 37 points this game week in seventh. He's four points behind. So like I said, he could have, if he didn't make that trade, he could have been in sixth. And Ben, only 28 points this game week. I was really rating his team last week. Uh, but unfortunately, he wasn't able to gain on anyone with the really low scoring round. So really low scores for everyone. No one uh, breached the 50 this week, which uh, I don't think has happened so far this, this, uh, a great this year. Week for, a great week for us to raise the bat when no one in our league raised the bat for a half century. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Oh, it was it was not good. So the, the, the points that you can gain on people in this sort of round uh, round is incredibly valuable. Um, so Gilby, thirty three points. Uh, I was able to catch you up a little bit. Where did those points come from? You mentioned a few things you might have done differently, obviously. Um, but thirty three points. How did that happen? Yeah, it was a pretty rough round for most of my team. Um, very very thankful for Azpilicueta at the back with ten. And then I got a shutout with Leeds and Melier at the back with six. And then Bruno Fernandez actually chipped in with an assist for five. Other than that, it was ones and twos across the board. So very frustrating with Antonio and Aubameyang. I thought they had two good fixtures there. Really hoping for a goal from there. Um, Jota started, but didn't score for Liverpool. So a few frustrating ones for me there. Leaving Jansen on the bench for five again was pretty frustrating. Um, so yeah, I, what I, what was most, uh, the key moment of the round for me was the fact I didn't end up conceding as many points as I thought I would. So really, really important there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, Azpilicueta really bailed you out there and, uh, the th- the glaring thing for me about your squad, Gilby, is still Rashford, Calvert-Lewin on the bench, zero points. I know other people may have picked them up. But it's around like this where, you know, would you ever consider actually dropping them earlier on to try and pick up points and, you know, continue building that lead? No, uh, because uh, all I all I would do then by dropping them at this point is uh, 
clearly strengthen another manager's team. And given the fact I've waited seven rounds now, it's more likely going to be eight or nine for Rashford. Um, and Rashford's one of my favorite players in real life anyway. I'm definitely going to carry him for the whole season, no matter what. And DCL, um, I mean, before he went out injured, he was the top scoring striker in the league with Antonio. So when he's back, I don't see anyone that comes close to him. I want to ask what your thoughts are around Saar. We obviously, you know, I've focused a lot on the managerial change, but I also highlighted what could only be described as an absolute horror run of fixtures, to put it nicely. Um, What are your thoughts there? To me, it's a short-term hold and wait and see uh, to see what Ranieri wants to do as far as setup and structure. Um, I think regardless, he'll definitely be a nailed-on starter, regardless of who the manager is. So you've got that in your favour. Yeah, so to me, like you said, the fixtures do not look good, but I do rate him as a player, and I think he will be Watford's key outlet still. Um, So I'm prepared to hold for now. But yeah, definitely, as you say, with the fixtures turning against um, Watford in a big way, that's uh, definitely something I'm prepared to have a look at. and why I'm really hoping that Rashford does come back pretty soon after the international break to hopefully give me a few more options at the moment, because at the moment, my team's more or less set in stone every week. So I can't move him out even when Watford has some terrible fixtures. So, yeah, that's something I'm going to have to have a look at. Um, But, yeah, I'm willing to wait and see with Ranieri there. Well, let's now move into uh, second place. My team, um, really, really quickly, uh, it was my midfield where I got the majority of my points. Mane scored a, a good goal v City. Uh, Townsend, we've already spoken about his goal. So I to pick up 10 points from him. Uh, Mbuemo uh, was a really good pickup for me with eight points. And then from there, it was a bit sparse. So I got six points with Gabriel. Um, Diaz, uh, although he played the whole game, got zero, unfortunately. Um, so Diaz was a, a bit of a dunce there for me, but that's okay because I know he's going to keep picking up points, uh, you know, as the as the game weeks go on. So it was really my midfield that uh, helped me out there. I did leave eight points on the bench with Dunk um, with that uh, shutout. He got some bonus points as well v Arsenal, so I could have potentially picked up some points there. But you know, um, overall forty points. I think second in the round week. Caught up a little bit on Gilby. Can't beat. Too disappointed there. Yeah, then a question I was going to ask you, like I saw in the waivers, you were very much prepared to move King on. And you sort of mentioned already how you kind of play a bit more of a short-term game. Is that something you're going to continue looking for? Like, are you looking to possibly upgrade on King and move players in and out? Uh, look, yeah, very possibly. Um, for me, the thing at the moment that I'm concerned about is that Bamford, well, Bamford was injured, so I was... Always looking for somebody who was uh, a forward that was playing that could at least get me two points. Um, now with King potentially injured for the next game, and I know it's a long time between now and that game week, um, and the fixtures that uh, Dave mentioned with Watford, um, it's very probable that King will will leave. Um, the one thing I didn't mention before is I was I was quite close to actually turfing Townsend this week because I was thinking, oh, that might be my player that I just that midfielder that keeps rotating in and out, in and out, in and out, um, before realizing, hey, Torres hasn't actually scored many points for the last two game weeks. Doesn't look likely to actually play. So off you go. Very nice. So I just, yeah, oh, just yeah. 
for me, um, looking at your team, Isaac, the one uh, that maybe, uh, I don't, I guess not sneaking under the radar, but um, we've been mentioning Mbwemo on and off for the last few episodes. And yeah, he obviously got attacking returns. And again, um, he looks to be playing like that second striker role. So as a midfielder, um, yeah, I think he's, even for Brentford, who I think we probably all agree are punching above their weight, um, long-term, he looks like he could be real gold. Yeah. And they've got Chelsea next and Leicester after that. They've got a few tricky games, but then afterwards, Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle. So I'd expect points out of that. So again, then I was thinking, oh, well, maybe it's Mbwemo who's going to be going in and out, but their games coming up are, are excellent. So I'm going to have to find if there's another space for me to try and rotate some players around to to pick up some more points. Like at the moment, you know, I've got a bit of a gap to third to Jeff. Um, I can be take a few more risks to try and, you know, overtake Gilby given I know he's got players coming back. I feel like I almost have to do that at this point in time. Um, hopefully I have Bamford coming back who might score some goals as well. But I sort of like how my team's positioned at this point in time. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean there won't be trades and things like that. But, you know, at, at right now, I'm, I'm pretty content with, with where I'm sitting. So, um, yeah, we'll wait and see if, if some of these riskier moves pay off. But I guess the story of the round is 44 points from Jeff coming in third. Um, would anyone like to guess who scored most of his points? Anyone? I did notice he has the top two goal scorers for the Premier League this year in his team. So I got a got a sneaking suspicion it might be those two. I think you could well be right. It's um yeah, marvelous Mo. He is absolutely killing it. Uh, I think he's got seventy points. Seventy points in total so far. Like ten points a week is just insane. I, I've never seen a player do this. I don't know if you guys yeah, have. Even but... in his golden, like, the statistics say that even in his golden boot seasons, he hasn't scored 70 this fast. So if he continues like this, um, I mean, Jeff's famous for riding a key midfielder all the way to the title in his winning years. So if he can find a bit more backup for Salah, um, I mean, Werner coming in now and scoring for him and he's got Vardy up front as well. Um, that could be hard to stop. I think he's right. got to do a little bit more of what I'm doing as well and try and look for those points. The thing, and you look at his team, the thing you can just tell is he likes players from big teams. And so, you know, that's that's fine. But when you've got Pep Roulette, it's probably not... For me, I, I it's good to look at those players, but he's maybe got to look for value elsewhere as well if he's looking to catch and try and support Salah. So, yeah, yeah he's got ridiculously high variance potential in his team. Um, yeah, right here, right now, Mo Salah, best player in the world, uh, at least based purely on current form. Like, you know, long-term, you're still going to look at the likes of your Messi's and your Ronaldo's and whatever, but right here, right now, on form, Mo Salah, best player in the world. I reckon you can almost add 12 months, the last 12 months into that. Yeah. Like, we've been through the stats when Ronaldo signed for Man U, um, Messi, yes, carried Barcelona and he had a, not, I guess, the best team around him, which is weird saying that about Barcelona. But I think Salah has, like, after his golden boot year when they almost won the, when they did win, they almost won the title, I think, was his first year. 
I said after that the next year, I'm like, well, you've got to pick him one or two. You kind of can't not, but don't expect him to re- replicate that season. And I think that was three years ago now, and he's pretty much done it every year. And it looks like he's doing it again. So not a one season wonder, that's for sure. No, it's insane. I remember. I still remember when Jeff picked Seller up the very first year he was in, or not the fir- very first year because he played for Chelsea first, but the first year he was in for Liverpool, Jeff picked him up. I'm pretty sure Jeff won that year because he had Salah and he, I think he must have had De Bruyne or something like that. I and think he, just he carved had up Hazard that year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Hazard and Salah. Like they just carved up and it was insane. And he, he just streaked away with the title. So, you know, he, he's only got one premium midfielder at the moment. So I'm not sure what he's going to do to try and support Salah. But, you know, Jeff's pretty good at what he does. So can't fault him for that. I was just... I showed I shared this with you the other day, boys. But when you talk about you know Salah being the best, and you know, but there's still those others like Ronaldo around. You know, Salah's scoring goals, but he's also doing about 13 forward presses um, per game compared to Ronaldo about three. So it really shows you the different type of player that he is as well, and like how he's being utilized for Liverpool, um, and just how much energy that guy has is insane so you know it's uh it's it's quite incredible what he's doing each game bit of the um you know harping back to your uh crystal palace type um players but a lot of beard energy a lot of Mila yedinak um type beard energy going on with mo salah great comment dave thank you <laughs> that was very valuable <laughs> just added a lot to the pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll timestamp that. 54-15. Thank, 57-15. Thank you. Oh, hey, look, nice. I thought you'd appreciate any chance we get to just reflect on Crystal Palace and Yedinak. You know, it's true. I think I think we'd, uh, Mick had spoken more about West Brom than I'd spoken about Crystal Palace this particular pod. So thank you for bringing that balance back. I much, much yeah. appreciate it. Let's uh let's move on. Uh, let's have a quick look at Nathan's team. Thirty eight points this game week. He's three points behind Jeff. He has lost a place to Jeff. Um, still out in front of Dave by four points or so. Um, if we quickly have a look, um, De Bruyne finally came through for him. Jimenez was able to back up his goal from last week. Decore had a really good assist. Ramsdale got him a clean sheet, and other than that, there was not too much to write home about. Cancelo, who you know is a premium defender, scored lots of points, got him a zero, just like Diaz did for me. So you know he's he's still got Richarlison on the on the bench that he's keeping, um, who's injured at the moment. And uh, look, all all in all, he's got some he's he's got some potential in that squad. He's picking up points. Firmino still coming off the bench only for one, which is obviously a bit disappointing for him. But um, thirty eight points is nothing to sneeze at this game week. Yeah, I mean, the main thing for Nate is obviously the first 90 minutes that KDB has played and he contributes eight points. So he's had to carry him all the way till now with um, out for injury and out for rotation. He's just coming back now. So the fact that on his first 90 minutes, he plays Liverpool and scores eight. Um, if Nate can get enough support around him, um, he may not be down the bottom of the season, of down the bottom of the table at the end of this season, which will be new experience for all of us. And Decoure just keeps plugging away. I think in this seven weeks, he's had more attacking returns than he did in about three seasons for Watford. So, yeah. Love it. I think that's about the fourth time you've mentioned that he was an ex-Watford player. So, so well done. Yeah, but only the first one for this episode. Yeah, true. Well, 
the episode is still young. Um, we've got uh, what I was going to say about holding players because obviously I spoke to you, your team about that Gilby before. I was just thinking as you were sort of talking, um, I think it's okay to hold players, but for how long and to what point, I think is interesting because, you know, in the eight, nine, 10, 11 game weeks that you're going to hold Rashford until he plays, you could have potentially picked up between 30 to 50 points from either rotating players or, or doing something like that. And, and you know, that, that means that you'll be even further ahead. Um, and I know that, yeah, the potential for Rashford is definitely there, but I just think that it's, a, it's an interesting balance, isn't it, of how much you can actually hold players where you could be 50 points or 30 points further in front than what you are now. Um, but I understand just how valuable he is as an asset. Yeah, the main thing for me is with our scoring system the way it is, it doesn't really matter which round you score your points in. Um, it matters at the end, the total. If we'd gone with a round-by-round round scoring system, then I would have been less inclined to carry Rashford this long because I would have sacrificed like a one-point win would be the same as a 50-point win. Whereas sure. with DCL and Rashford coming in, um, I think if I've got uh, the two main sources of points from Manchester United, I think by the end of the season... Um, they will be worth a lot of points and it doesn't really matter to me whether I score um, the points in round 20 or the points in round five. To me, by the end, I think the total points I get out of Rashford is still more than the 24 points I might have missed out on so far from getting, say, let's say it was three points around on average. Um, I'm going to back Rashford to be 20 points better than the other midfield alternatives that are available at the moment. Sure, but I, th- I still think you're skilled enough to be able to pick the right players to bring in to get maximum points. So for me, like if he misses 10 game weeks, how many points is Rashford going to score? Total. What do you think? Like well, You're obviously projecting here what you think those total points are going to be. So how many points is he going to score? Well, at his peak, I think he is one of the top five midfielders in the game. So, I mean, I think the top five midfielders in the game most years around that 150 to 200 point mark. Um, so, if you're going to say, if it's a good season, say four to five points a game, I think Rash is more than capable of that, depending on the role he plays with Ronaldo and all that sort of stuff, which is still to be answered, which makes me a little nervous. Um, but, yeah, I mean... The thing I'm thinking, though, is in a draft format where only one manager can have a player, if Rashford was still on the table, I think that one of the managers down the bottom would take a punt on him now and I wouldn't have the luxury of being able to go back. So if I had dropped him, say, in round two or round one and said, no, I made a mistake, I can't carry him, I think that uh, Nate or Ben or Dan would have been on him pretty quick and said, yeah, I'm prepared to take the risk and look at the upside later in the season. Fair enough. I think it'll be an interesting thing to to watch out for. So we'll quickly jump into fifth place uh, with Dave. 39 points this game week, only four behind Nathan in fourth. Um, again, 39's nothing to sneeze at this particular game week. Um, what went well? What didn't go so well, Dave? Yeah, I, I was just thinking um, earlier today, I don't think I've run through my current squad because I normally just pick out the... Uh, maximum one highlight that I've had and multiple downsides. So um, I've got Fabianski uh, and Martinez as my keepers. I've got Verane, Robbo, um, Livermento, 
TAA and Christensen as my defenders. Um, Son, Grealish, Sushek, Klish, uh, and Odegaard in midfield. And Eduard, Tony, and Wilson up front. So this week, um, saved by Son again, two assists. Um, yeah, my number one pick. And he's the one that's consistently scoring me points, even when Tottenham aren't necessarily playing great. Um, Sushek uh, got me eight points, which was good. And it was just standard uh, other than that. Livamento, I got four from, um, but nothing else really to write home about. Son and Sushek, the main ones. Um, and yeah, just because we're talking about holding on to players, um, I am still holding on to Wilson and TAA, uh, and we'll do so until, uh, well, TAA isn't going anywhere. Um, but Wilson, yeah, I'll hopefully see some injury updates uh, over the next um, week or so with the international break. One thing I wanted to raise, which is kind of an open question, I just think it's a good idea because Dave's team's up here at the moment, but Martinez on the on the bench for four points, um, Fabianski on the team for two. Now, Fabianski had Brentford, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Martinez had Tottenham. So was your decision there to play Fabianski based purely on matchups and who's more likely to get a clean sheet there? Um, and if so, how many, and I know Gilby's probably one that looks into this as well, but I look at a team at Brentford, particularly the way they played this year, and they're not a team that will pepper a, a goal, but they are a team that I guess are likely to score and create a good chance, one clear-cut chance, whether it's on the counter or something like that. But it'd be interesting to know if you guys would have gone the same way picking Fabianski to start the team in that team, or if you would have picked Martinez to, well, Villa hasn't defensively been good. Kane, Son, Mura, um, everyone else from the Tottenham team, but they could pepper the goal with potentially a, a possession-based game, you're more likely to get safe points there. And I see that's where the extra two points for Martinez came from. But is that the reason you chose that? And out of the other two, Isaac and Gilby, but would you have made the same decision or would you have looked at the potential safe points there thinking if Brentford do score, well, you're not getting any other points, you're going to get stuck with one or two? Uh, no, I just went basically on the fact that I thought that Fabianski was the more likely to get the shutout, and that obviously didn't happen. Yeah, I agree with Dave. I would have gone Fabianski too. Isaac? I would have gone um, Martinez because I know he's a save point magnet. Like he, the year he had last year was basically down to just the save points that he had was just incredible, ridiculous. So I, I probably would have gone him. Um, yeah, but I think it's with the, of, I think with those fixtures, it's a much of a muchness. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's going to blame you the way it went. When it could have gone either way quite easily. Um, but I kind of find it strange when you look at goalkeepers in this game. It's kind of you got your top guys, your Edisons and Allisons, purely based on clean sheets against your Norwiches, your Watfords. Relatively safe clean sheets. They're going to get you eight to ten clean sheets, maybe fifteen if they're really on a good season. Um, but then the next kind of the second tier, if we use Gilby's terminology, are your, I guess, just above the relegation zone type players or teams where you get might get the occasional clean sheet, but really your Matty Ryan styles, you get a crap ton of saves. And then it's your mid tables where you don't get a whole lot of saves, but you also don't get a whole lot of clean sheets. 
you don't get a whole lot of points. So it's kind of interesting looking at goalkeepers that you kind of need to be just above crap or really, really good. There's no, <laughs> if you're a decent keeper, you're not likely to get a whole lot of points. So it's an interesting one to look at for keepers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you're definitely, you, you're not, you're not expecting points from, uh, from assists like you got last week, uh, Mick. So I think I'll take uh, that's a lovely. I can get. Oh, I think you need to take anything you can get at the moment. 27 points the last game week. Um, now, I don't know if you remember, but I had two predictions last week when we were having a chat. My first prediction was you would definitely not bench Rafinha again. And my second prediction was he would definitely blank for you, which he pretty much did. I mean, he got, sure, he got a he got a clean sheet bonus or point, but uh, didn't do anything apart from that. So I, I was pretty happy my... with my predictions. He's my joint third highest scorer from the round. So go blank yourself, Isaac. Congratulations, Mick. Talk I mean, it's not, it's not ideal when you have three guys with one point, one guy with zero points, two guys with two points. You're, uh, yeah, and you're, you're number one pick getting zero points in zero minutes. Um, were you spewing when you saw Ronaldo come off the bench because you were just hoping that Digne would at least get two points? Uh, and come well, off your bench for you. Well, considering yeah, Dino was on my bench. I mean, we we got we spoke about it when I first picked up Ronaldo when we heard he was coming to the league. That yes, he probably won't start the entire game. But to be honest, for a substitute to get thirty three minutes, that's more than I probably expected when I saw he was on the bench. Um, particularly when they went up one nil, I was thinking, okay, well, if they get a second year, he's going to get even less minutes. So the fact that he came on when he did, I was kind of surprised. I was almost happy when. Uh, Everton scored and I was like okay well now they're going to have to go for it he's a better chance um, I don't didn't see out the rest of that game but I don't think he really created too much so there wasn't much there but I mean if, if he's going to not start a game I think a game against Everton a, kind of a, a mid-table team's the right team for it to be against from my perspective it means he's likely to play against the the teams he can score a hat-trick against and he's going to play against the big teams where he rises to the occasion. So uh, it's it's one of those things that I'll cop it. I kind of have to. I don't have a choice anyway. But if it's going to happen, it's probably the right time. It's just unfortunate that literally no one else on my team did anything. And I copped it. But the saving grace is I think I got 27 points. I think I got last for the round overall. Um, but I think the highest was only 17 ahead. Not the biggest loss. I think I've had other weeks where I was about 60 behind. So it's not that bad. What what I will say, just in regards to to you mentioning, oh, you know, at least they had to go for it because they went, you know, they conceded a goal. The mere fact that they brought on Sancho and Ronaldo before that goal was even scored meant that they were probably still going for it, yet they weren't able to do anything when they came on. And Sancho looked lively, but I they looked almost rudderless as well. Like yeah. they were arguably going for they it, got, and they still arguably lost. they got worse. Arguably yeah. they got worse. Um, I think I. Like you said, on that that goal was completely against the run of play. Um, one thing that I'm not sure if it's Optus or if it's Premier League themselves, but have you seen that momentum chart they've been putting up? So yeah. where it goes top to bottom and it sways left or right based on it. If you look at where Everton's goal is, there is no momentum on their side of the half the the middle line. So it was it was the definition of against the run of play. I, there's nothing else that goes more against the run of play. I reckon you could look at Leicester's even, and there's at least some level of build-up. 
but there was three passes from an attacking corner for Man U, and then suddenly it's one. Yeah, so like five good touches yeah. and five good touches, and you can score a goal. And in Dave's case, five bad touches, and you can score an own goal. So you know, hey, five own goals. takes way less than that. <laughs> yeah. Now, Mick, um, looking at your team, Watkins obviously got some points for you as well. Tierney got some points for you. Uh, I think you recognised before that midfield is your biggest area of concern. What any any plans to rectify? Or should we maybe talk about that a bit later? I, I think we'll get to that a bit later. Now, yeah, we'll go through just generally. We've been through the waivers, but there's been a bit of without anything actually having happened. There's been a bit of movement behind the scenes, uh, but I would think yeah. once we go through the the minimal teams that are below me on the ladder, uh, once we get through them, we'll come back to some of the trade offers, and um, you never know, there might even be a live offer out there at the moment. Very good. Well, look, let's have a look at let's have a look at seventh place, which is Dan. Now he was able to to bridge the gap a little bit. Um, only a few points behind you now, Mick. He was able to pick up thirty seven points. We're having a quick look at his team. Uh, Pope with the shutout got him six points. Uh, Tommy Yasu with another six points there. Uh, Bowen, who he brought in, which was a, a really good one with seven points. Uh, Jesus with five. Uh, but other than that, not too much else to write home about. And and the fact that he brought in me for zero when he could have got a clean sheet uh, with who he traded out is obviously a bit disappointing for him because he probably would have passed Mick. Um, but, you know, again, Dan's made some really good uh, decisions in the waiver, being able to pick up some really good players. And I'm sure he's got a couple of people in his squad at the moment he's thinking he might need to, uh, uh, he might need to move on. Is one of them Dennis, Isaac? You and I had a bit of a chat last week and you were putting it to me that I said Dennis was a uh, sit and hold, one that I would not be rushing into my team at this stage. You put forward the fact that he's done quite well uh, given what's transpired over the last 48 hours. Um, Where do you sit on that one? Um, I guess I don't even know. Like I don't know what structure... Ranier is even going to bring into the the squad yeah, whether just he's don't going to play. Care about Watford anyway, do you? No, not when I can't actually figure out what your mascot is. So no, definitely not. I think um, Fair enough. I think that you know Dennis is a means to an end in terms of having someone who's playing. So you know uh, he's going to get you some points, but I'm sure that's an area that Dan will look at. But to be fair, he's got Lukaku, he's got Jesus two players who are going to score points. So maybe that's not his biggest issue right now, considering he's got two players who scored, uh, two defenders who scored zero um, on the bench during his game week. Can I just point out, looking at Dennis, I had something else to say as well, but four yellow cards in seven games. That's quite impressive. Now, I don't know if you guys have, but there's a few players actually on card tightropes at the moment. I think Pogba's another one that's on four yellows, close to a, a suspension, so to speak. Um, that's quite impressive, really, that he's had four one-point games and the other two games he's scored in, and then there's only one other game that he hasn't got a yellow or a goal. So pretty much he gets one or ten by the looks of Dennis. But having a look at Dan's team, and I know we spoke about it last week, and I told him, I sent him a message, and like, listen to this week's pod, we slate yours, we tell, you, tell everybody how much better Ben's is, and then he comes out and beats Ben's team. But I still look at, I look at Alonso, I look at James, I look at Ben Mee, obviously injured, um, I look at Trincao and I look to a degree at Jesus 
they're all big rotation risks. Risks. So, and even Saka to a degree, I think he's played or started most games. Um, there's one or two games, 31 minutes or 45 minutes. With Lacazette potentially coming in, um, Odegaard now being at the squad full-time, it's Bowen even to a degree. Now, Bowen's been pretty good. I think he's relatively safe at the moment, but it doesn't take much for that to turn around. And West Ham started the season really well. They've had a couple of poorer results, actually three two-ones in a row with a nil-nil before that. He's personally going okay, but the team isn't. And it won't take long for that to turn around and maybe him to get sharfed off. But other than Lukaku... There's, it's hard to see much. Things could go well, 100%. We know that. Things could go poorly. I just say there's a lot of risk in that team. Um, and maybe maybe he needs someone like Sancho to somehow get some more minutes. Um, but with Greenwood coming back, he can't even get a start as it is. And Greenwood's about to come... Uh, not Greenwood, sorry. Rashford's about to come back in. So it gets even harder for him to get a start in that team. So he needs to keep getting lucky, but I think he's the type that he wants to just hold on to the coattails, stay as close as possible and come mid-season draft, get rid of some of the so-called dead weight, of which I know a lot about, um, and then hopefully pick up some of some of the other players that are guaranteed starters and, like you said, at least guaranteed two points. Because at the end of the day, two points would have helped my team this week. Yeah, well, look, Mick, maybe you can trade uh, Sterling his way just to try and dampen some of that rotation risk. That might help. I think that's a quality strategy, but you're you're right. I think, and and Jeff is the king of rotation risk. Like he, you know, he he's done really well for a long time. Um, you know, picking up those those players from teams who score lots of points but can be rotated. So there's merit to it if it works, like you say. But yeah, you're right. He might be looking to move some some people on during mid season. Um, now finally, let's look at Ben. Uh, Twenty eight points this game week. Unfortunately for Ben, uh, his highest. Or his second highest scorer got a red card, Ward Prowse, and only ended up getting him four points. Uh, Lowton got him five. Foden got him seven, and Foden actually came off his bench. was an automatic substitution when uh, Pereira didn't play. So um, just did not... If you look at his team, you know, good names, good team, but just did not have a good round, and that epitomized to how many of us went this game week. We've spoken about Kane and how he hasn't performed, but the bonus point system that the Premier League Fantasy has implemented. Now, I don't know the exact workings. I know it's written in some of their rules there somewhere in regards. It gives like guys like Kante points for interceptions, for blocks, for passes, for, for accuracy, and just general footballing skills that aren't reflected in goals and assists and clean sheets. But according to that, and that reflects in the three two ones. but according to his total bonus point bonus points that then become the bonus points, if that makes any sense. He has a total of seven across nine games. Seven. So that's, he didn't play the first, uh, sorry, across seven games, seven across seven games, sorry. And he didn't play the first one. So he's had five full matches. In those five, he's had two, eight, six, negative six, and zero. So in two of those games, in his last two weeks, he's combined for negative six bonus points out of 180 minutes. And that's against Arsenal and Villa, a team that hasn't done so well, or two teams that haven't done so well, one of which is the North London Derby. But probably the scariest thing is five goals have been scored by Tottenham in those two games. Was it five goals? Did they beat Arsenal 3-1 or did they lose 3-1? I can't even remember now. They lost. 
They and lost 3-1. Okay, it's for some reason it's written the other way. Okay, so they got pummeled 3-1. So three goals have scored then, and he hasn't been involved in any of them, but for a total of negative six possible bonus points. So, like, I know, Isaac, you were talking before about you're picking up a guy, uh, Gabriel, over Ben White purely because he's more likely to pick up bonus points. Now, I realize Kane gets those from scoring, but looking at that, the bonus point system, it then goes into the, the what is it, influence, creativity, and threat. Now, I don't know if you guys look at that, but I, I glance at it to see how it's working. And they rank the entire forwards, all the mids, all the backs. Out of all of the forwards, Kane is the 23rd forward. So according to their rank, he should almost not be in any one squad. There's eight of us, three people per team, per four, forwards per team. He should almost be dropped. Now, I can't see Ben doing that, but I do know for a fact, if someone gives Ben an offer, he will listen. So it's out there for any of you guys up top, because I know Dave and Gilby, you haven't been uh, super involved with trade offers, particularly Gilby. I know Dave's had a few mainly from me. Um, and Isaac's had one or two, but if you want Kane, if you want a forward, throw an offer out there because he will listen. He will listen. He will accept offers. Doesn't well. He will. He will accept to listen to the offers. He will contemplate. Is probably the best way to decide. But yeah, just something to put out there. He is woeful at the moment. Well, didn't Kane go like three games without having a shot inside the box or something stupid? So. I can understand why he's doing so badly in that regard, but uh, look, I'm, I'm sure, hey, maybe one of us will give Ben an offer he just cannot refuse. We'll just have to wait and see. In all serious note, if you had Ben's team, would any of the three of us drop him for nothing? Surely that's a no, right? No. You can't. Well, looking, looking at his team, there's a number of holes that are worse than having Kane up front. Yeah. So uh, uh, you have to hold Kane given the position that he's in at the moment. Um, and you have to hope that if you are prepared to trade him, then you've got to be hoping for a significant, reliable upgrade. Uh, according to expected goals, he still has the second most ex- assists, expected assists for the team, second most expected goals for the team. So it's kind of sad though that Apparently, their most creative player for Tottenham is Eric Dyer at the moment, which is quite a sad state of affairs for Spurs. That's I mean, we, he has got St. Maximin, who's been playing above Newcastle. And we spoke about uh, Morpai last week, who he picked up. So I can see him having an ability to drop Kane if that's what he's thinking. I, in my head, I could absolutely justify it from Ben's point of view. And by drop, I obviously don't mean he's not likely Absol- to drop yeah, to trade. free agency, but he is definitely on the block. If someone gives him an offer, he will listen. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good opportunity to actually talk about some of the trades that have been floated because um, there have been quite a few, and I can't really remember a time where we've had sort of this many trades that have been floating around, potential trades. Nothing has happened yet, but there's been quite a few that have been going from manager to manager. Um, and Mick, I know you've got a fair few there, so do you want to run us through a couple? We'll probably we'll probably finish up with this sort of trade chat and um, go from there. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Now, I'm going to go through it in not necessarily chronological order, 
but the order that I found out about all of these, some of which was I was talking to another manager and it just so happened, he's like, oh, I got one of those too. So to the, I guess the most active person, which we've spoken about, he made a guest ghost appearance on the pod, um, was Nathan. And it kind of looks like he wants a premium striker. Now, there's not many of them in the league. Um, and despite us just slamming how bad Kane's been, that's who we went for first. So he tried to trade with Ben to give up Firmino and Laporte for Harry Kane and any of Ben's defenders at Ben's choice. So that's the first trade we've heard of. Now, I don't know if you guys want to go through about, from, say, Ben's perspective, the guy getting offered the trade. Yes, no, counteroffer. Anyone got some thoughts there? I don't think you can justify doing that trade from um, really either perspective, really. I think if you're going to get rid of Kane, it has to be for someone more reliable than Firmino. Um, I think you have to set your sights higher than that and you have to hope that someone is willing to take a punt um, on Kane coming good Mm -hmm. and you have to hope they're willing to give up a regular starting striker who's going to score goals. Uh, Ben really needs to upgrade that and that's not a clear upgrade for me. Yeah, and that, that's what I said to Ben as well. So Ben, obviously, out of the eight of us, probably the least familiar with the Premier League and just football in general. Um, so being related to him, he generally asked me, and I talked to him a fair bit. He gives me, asked me for a bit of advice, which I try not to influence him too much, but I do like to give him some straight facts. And I said, look, at the end of the day, you're holding me cards here. You can push higher if you want. And I know Nathan drives a hard bargain, so sometimes you need to drive it back. And I can't wait to get Nathan's message when he hears this. But my, my suggestion to him, and I'm, was I almost think Jimenez is going to be better than Firmino in terms of reliability, going to get you two points every week, may not get you your 17s, but more likely to get you points. And I said, if you're going to try and drive hard, Nathan has another city defender in Kencheo. So if you want to try, put it out there. He's probably going to get rejected, but you can always try it now. I don't know whether Ben did, but that was my opinion. I said, well, go high, work down from there and see what's available. So that was the first trade. Nathan, at the same time when I was talking to Dan, had apparently offered Dan an option for the other premium striker in the league for Lukaku. So instead of um, Firmino, he did offer Jimenez and Laporte this time for Lukaku and Semedo, Nelson Semedo. So I'll go to Isaac this time. Isaac, would you have uh, said yes, no? Tell him he's dreaming like Dave would say. Um, I probably would have I probably would have said no, just given the run of fixtures that Lukaku has upcoming. But in saying that, I think that I would have been more tempted if maybe, I I can't recall if I have a quick look at who Dan's other defenders are, um, if it was maybe a lesser defender, for example, Ben Mee. Um, I don't know, you'd, you'd almost be swayed to a degree because you're, yes, you're downgrading your striker, but you're pick, maybe, you know, picking up a defender who's more reliable going to get you many, many, many more points for a much better team. So I can almost see that trade-off, but I yep. think you're going to be hard-pressed to get Lukaku. And I think Dan went the other way. He said rather than upgrading or downgrading his defender, he tried to upgrade Nathan's defender. So he again went for Kencheo, um, but he tried to drop the forwards altogether. I tried to go a tomato for Kencheo. Nathan obviously said Kencheo is probably up there with the best. Um, with Robertson and TAA both having a few missed games recently. I would go as far as saying Cancelo is probably the best defender in the league points-wise at the moment um, and seems to be one that's not really at risk with Pep Roulette. So um, that's that one. As a result of those, and I said, well, you're after a premium striker and I know you've been turned down for the other two and I've got the other one with CR7. So I turned to Nathan. I said, Ronaldo and Sterling, 
obviously trying to get rid of my uh, second draft pick here for KDB and Jimenez. Now, I know I'm reaching, but I said, if you want a premium striker, there's something there. And I said that to him. I said, very, I was very careful with how I worded this. I said about a thousand times, it's an idea. I'm floating it. It's not set in stone. Just think about it. Counter offer will start from here. Now, because we know if Nathan says, yes, done, and then you don't do it, well, there's hell to pay. So I made it very clear with that. And I said, look, I'm not expecting a yes straight away, but if you give me some ideas and even counter me something there, we'll see where it's at. But Dave, you haven't heard from you yet. What do you reckon about that? How, how, how far away from the mark am I on that one? So throw it at me again. So Who was I'm, it? I'm giving up Ronaldo and Sterling for KDB and Raul Jimenez. So Ronaldo for Jimenez and Sterling for KDB. Um, KDB is weird. I was going to say you're throwing out two hugely high-variance players. I think that's... I don't think it's that far <laughs> off the mark, really. Well... I mean, if you're saying Ronaldo's variance, KDB's got to be variance too, right? Yeah, that's, I mean, the, that's right. The biggest thing yeah. is injury at the moment. If he's fit, I have no doubt he's in the top 11 for Man City. But top 11 doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be in the named team. But Yeah, anyway, and that- even towards the end of last season um, when he was fit, um, I'm, I think he started to get rotated uh, yep. in and out a little bit. So There's always yeah. a risk there. That, that's Man City through and through, so... But I think there's no doubt that KDB over Sterling, well, we know who's going to get more game time out of those two. So so then I went to Ben, and when Ben told me, well, Kane's... Uh, he basically almost said word for word, I want to get rid of Kane. So I went, I need good midfielders. I want midfielders playing. So I said to Ben, and this is still a live trade because it happened after the trade deadline. So I knew it wouldn't happen before... If it's going to happen, it's going to be before next week. So there's still 10 days. So this... Trade in theory is still floated. Um, Ronaldo and Sterling again for Kane and Zaha. Now we've just spoken about how poor an asset at the moment Kane is currently, but how much potential he may have. Zaha obviously being, I mean, a decent point scorer. I don't actually know exactly how many he's got, but I believe he's on penalties um, for Palace with Milivojevic not playing at the moment, or at least not playing as consistently. Um, he's always going to be out and about involved in some capacity. And Palace look relatively good so far, have had a few good results. So I think Zaha's a possibility there. But maybe we'll go to Isaac on that one, being a Palace fan. But there, there's that train for me and Ben. Ronaldo and Sterling for Kane and Zaha. What are your thoughts? So I think that... For me, like the just the one sticking point is Sterling at the moment. Like he's so he he has the, that potential to score so many points if mm-hmm. he plays, yep. and that's the risk that Ben would have to take on. Like at yep. the moment, he's get he's not getting points for for Kane, um, not the points that you know he potentially could be getting. But it's the same with Sterling. So the risk is there either way. But I would back Kane to get more points at yep. the end of the day. Um, and then it was Zaha, and who was the other one? Sterling, other uh, Ronaldo, and Sterling, and Kane and Zaha. Yeah. Um, look, again, you can almost see the, the merit in it, but I would maybe just be reluctant. Yeah. 
And I mean, at the end of the day, we've almost all been burnt by Sterling before in some regard. Absolutely. And I think, and I said this a couple of weeks ago when Gilby offered me trades is at the end of the day, there's less shame in saying no and getting burnt that way than saying yes and getting burnt. Now you just need to ask Dan about Aaron Moy and David Carney to find out how that works. The, the the thing I wanted to mention here, like that wording that Ben uses is that he wants to get rid of Kane. I've also heard that wording from him before. And it was, I want to get rid of Salah, right? He did that two years ago and I traded with him and I won the league. He just needs to be a little bit careful. Like, to be fair, I'm probably going to make uh, a trade offer for Kane, right? Yep. Absolutely. And I think that's fair enough. But Ben, just if you're listening, Ben, and I know you do, you just need to be careful because, you know, I, I've, you know, I've seen it happen before where you've lost a lot of points by doing that sort of trade maybe too early. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, but um, it's one of those yeah, things. Be careful. As much as he's asking other managers for their opinion, it's probably a safe one to at least float the idea to see if someone straight up says, what are you doing? Well, he might second guess and think before he accepts. Good week to do it, though, with the international break, though. Has nine, eight, nine days to think about it, to work through it, to see what happens before he says yes. My advice to him is listen to this podcast, get a feel for what's happening. Listen to next week's podcast when we talk about new trade offers and uh, then decide what's going to happen before he makes that next team. So, But there, that's another one. Um, then we go completely away from the four of us that have thrown a few ideas. Now, we'll go back to Isaac for this one because this one involves you and a manager that's not here. So I don't know a whole lot about this one, but um, Jeff sent you one. So Matty Cash, our favorite Polish right back for Riyad, mm. and Riyad Mahrez, sorry, for Ruben Diaz and Mason Greenwood. So give us your thoughts there. Again, like Greenwood could become an issue for me in that he might get some rotation risk. He hasn't really scored too well in the last few game weeks. Um, so I can see the, you know, the, the, I can, I can see why it might be a good idea to, to try and trade for Greenwood. Um, but the thing I just can't get past is that I know Diaz is going to be getting clean sheets. I know he's going to be scoring a ton of bonus points as well. Um, and Matty Cash, realistically, he's just got re- attacking returns and they're going to be inconsistent and, uh, yeah, that it's not going to be, it's not going to be plumped up by some juicy uh, clean sheets. So I've I've already replied with a, a no to that particular trade. Um, I'd be interested to think see what you guys thought of that. Um, but that was my that was my response, and I sort of said you know Mares is a bit too much of a risk for me as well. Um, I I think Greenwood might play more, but yeah. It kind of seems like it at the moment. I think looking at Greenwood's numbers, the smallest match he's had is 72 minutes. So it looks like he's started every game. My thinking there is, obviously, international breaks just happened, but Ronaldo's being benched, uh, sorry, has been benched once. Um, I would assume Bruno hasn't been as of yet. He's probably the only other one in the attacking four or five that hasn't been because Pogba's obviously been rotated. Their defensive midfielder, McTominay and Fred, seem to swap a fair bit with Matic as well. I don't know if he's played much this season, but there's obviously a third one there as well. Um, there's a fair few options and with Rashford coming in there as well if I were you Isaac I'd be claiming or cashing in on Greenwood as soon as you can for anyone that might want him to see what you can get because I know you've said before you're not a massive fan of risk obviously it comes down to what your other four players are if your other four midfielders are all playing well maybe it's worth throwing him in there once but just having a quick look bringing him up his stats here if you actually search Greenwood 
There is a second Greenwood in our league. Place is a forward for uh, Leeds. Now, has there been any temptation to throw a trade back at Jeff involving that Greenwood to see if he accepts? Well, I'd have to pick him up in the waiver first. So I don't think Jeff me. would notice. <laughs> exactly. Leave it with me and uh, I might be able to make something happen there. Well, in, the would... real, in the real fantasy league game, there was something in the region of a, like a horrible number of thousand players that did transfer in the wrong Greenwood. Ooh. Whoops. It, it is quite impressive though. Um, that Greenwood hasn't played a single minute. Uh, but yeah, it, it's quite interesting that... There is a Sam Greenwood that plays for Leeds, so something out there as well. Because I mean, it could quite—he's a forward, but you've got to do a forward like for like trades. But it could very easily slip under the radar that Greenwood's—he kind of plays as a forward anyway. So anyway, we digress to the last trade offer. Now, this is one that uh, Isaac and Gilby—you actually haven't heard of yet because it's only come out this uh, pod. Yeah, no, it's oh, another one. I know. What have you and Dave um, done? <laughs> well, Dave's done nothing, but oh, I'm, as I'm just having a look and I've noticed I've done more talking on this podcast than I have on any of the others. So I'm taking kind of the trade line here. But it's all right, I can mute you. It's fine. <laughs> I've said, and everyone knows, I need some mids. And I went, well, who's probably the best mid in the game at the moment? And Greenwood. Who, who, oh, who, who has, uh, I guess, something that I would want in return is probably the biggest thing. So CR7 is on the line again. So I'm looking at CR7. Now, this is a big trade. So you might need to always get your pen and papers out, guys. CR7 but, being the guy that just got just, benched and yeah, rotated yeah, out, right? Yeah, just got one point. And isn't on penalties? No, no, yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, that um, guy? He's not very good. So just think of him as like a secondary striker, maybe a rotational guy. Um, with that, we've got uh, a first and second round draft pick with Sterling or Havertz. <laughs> Wow. Um, or so Wendia. So basically one of my mids that I want to rotate because there's too much risk there. And my new signing, uh, Luca Digne. So they're the three. So there's a forward, a mid, and a back in this trade. So CR7, Digne, and a rotational mid with plenty of upside. Just hasn't seen any upside from any of them across the combined 21 game weeks. From Dave's team, it would be Human Son... Ivan Tony and his choice of the defender, I'm assuming his bottom defender, which would be Liveramento or Christensen. So that, that's what I've thrown out there. So if we, ga- if we go through it like for like, Tony for CR7, Hunman Son for rotational mid Sterling Havertz or Buendia, Liveramento or Christensen for Digne. Fair bit to unpack you. there, quite a big one. I knew but. that Dave would finally end up with Sterling somehow. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I just knew it. That's, that's why it. I included his choice of those three. Um, <laughs> but yeah, something that I, I came up with while having a look through the teams, because I don't actually look through the, our teams too much until we get to this pod, because I figure, well, it gives us two or three days to put trade offers in. Um, and let's face it, it gives us a bit of content here as well. And it's a good week to do it. And I said to Dave, I'm like, there's no rush here, but you can give us an initial thoughts and, Without committing one way or the other, we can come back to it next week. But yeah, I'd be interested to hear what your initial thoughts are to that one. So, I mean, let's start from the top. It's really CR7 for Son, right? That's what we're talking about. That's the crux of it. Um, I think that's probably a fair offer, a fair trade. Um, Son currently 
whether the stats say this or not, but he is uh, where Tot- he's, everything for Tottenham is going through Son. Uh, when Ronaldo isn't benched, um, and yes, I expect him to play far more than not, he's... I mean, the guy's a remarkable human being, um, but there is more chance of spreading the attacking returns at Manu between him and Bruno and Sancho if he gets a good run of games or Rashford when he comes in. But I don't think that... Um, so I, I personally would put Son above CR7, but it's pretty close. And that's yeah purely because I think Son, like I said, everything's going to go through him. What, what gives you the impression everything goes through him? Is it the three 10-point returns and the seven-point return and only the two blanks with one no play? I, I well, did look at the, that and I thought, well... <laughs> or was it was it the curry yeah, you saw him eat the other night? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, based on the fact that literally everything has gone through him, for <laughs> including the curry, for, what, the last three seasons? And the what we've just spoken about Kane he's not looking the greatest that he's ever looked um, some would argue that when Kane plays well that actually benefits Son but yeah that's I mean that's my thoughts on that uh, if we look at the second so who are we matching up against Tony it's Tony and Digne I would say personally it's probably Tony and Digne and I know which one's higher there so Tony and Digne, with Tony obviously being a forward, forwards are obviously a lot scarcer, harder to come by. Replacing Tony is going to be a hell of a lot harder than replacing Digne. But my theory there is if you have CR7, you're banking on the fact you don't need a replacement. You don't need a third striker. Um, and then the backup is a midfielder with plenty of potential upside that hasn't been rectif- seen at all yet for one of your lower defenders, Livermento or Christensen. Yeah. I mean, either of Livermento or Christensen, I wouldn't have any problem shipping them out. Um, and like Isaac said, it's just destiny that I end up with um, Sterling at some point this season. So uh, if I'm looking at your mids, so um, or the ones you've offered me, at least. <laughs> You're um, not missing out on much. I can tell you right now, there's a combined about eight points. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Rafinha's looked brilliant when he does play. Um, but if we're talking about the ones that you've put on the table, uh, Buendia doesn't really interest me as a player. Not terrible, but um, Villa don't fill me with huge amounts of delight currently. Um, Havertz, I've... Yeah, Havertz and I have an interesting relationship. That oh. um, it just... Let's not go there. Did you see him eat a curry as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm kind so, of dumbfounded with what's happened with Habits this season. And I obviously said this start of the year, I expected him to have a great year. The fact that he is now third choice striker behind Lukaku and Werner, as well as fifth choice attacking mid behind all of their midfielders attacking mids, I'm kind of amazed, but... Has come to bite me, but 
anyway. I expected him to kick on from winning winning the Champions League for Chelsea last year. Uh, it just unfortunately hasn't happened. And with Werner seemingly back to form, unfortunately, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I was to look at one of those three players, I would be looking at Sterling. Um, I think we've got a little way to go, Mick, um, purely because I probably rate Tony in my team higher than you might perceive me to. I think Brentford have been playing really good football and making chances. I know you spoke earlier. You seem to think they only create one or two big chances. I I don't know what the stats say. I'm not a stats guy. I just watch the games. Um, and I get the feeling that um, they're probably... He's getting in good positions and could have a lot more goals at this stage if things had fallen his way. Um, to, to give you an idea of stats, expected goals... They are only behind Liverpool, City, Chelsea, West Ham, United, and Everton. So they are seventh in terms of how many goals they should have scored. Yeah. So, and yes, they do create goals. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I've been carrying Wilson recently. So uh, my reliance on Tony has been higher than it uh, otherwise would have been. But, yeah, there's there's food for thought. I'm not going to make a decision right here, right now. Oh, well, that's more than, last time. And, uh, more than last time. That it, yeah, I haven't given you the the Daniel Farker off the, the, treatment. The, oh, he's done it again. Have to the, sneak it in there somewhere each the pod. The big question is going to be is, are these players still going to be available? Is CR7 still going to be in my team come this time next week? And there's obviously, I've already said, there's other trade offers out there. And I know I've got a feeling I might receive some with people now knowing CR7 isn't immune to being traded. I, I hope that out of the four of us, we're involved in most trade offers and we find out about most because I'd love to hear how many more get thrown around between now and next week. There could be a fair bit happening. So I've got two things to say to you, Mick. I can guarantee that your willingness to give up CR7 is higher than my feel of need to get him. The second thing I'm going to say is when we're talking about other trades that may or may not happen, uh, one that you are not aware of Ooh. is I've been put in a fairly reasonable position. It's one we've spoken about previously. I'm not going to say who buy, and it's probably not who you think, uh, but I have been given a fairly open-ended offer for Robertson, who we've spoken. I've got the two key Liverpool um, backs with nothing do, necessarily offered. Left backs with nothing necessarily offered in my direction, other than to say, "Hey, look, I'm interested. I want him." And left it at that. So I've got some thinking on two fronts to do um, over the next couple of days. Well, Dave, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring there and make you even think more, <laughs> if that's okay. Can you, can, can you, are you, are you going to be up for this or should I not? Oh, throw it out there. Look, the more offers, the better. 
just puts me in a stronger position to fight you off against one another. So go for it. Righto. Well, look, this is what I was thinking. I was, I'm looking at Robertson as well, because why would you? You'd be stupid not to. Well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'd be willing to to give up Walker. Yeah, I mean, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. That doesn't that doesn't doesn't interest you? Nah. You sure? Yeah, I had Walker last season, solid without being spectacular, whereas Robbo's spectacular. So I don't know about that. He can be rotated now, dude. Anyway, it's out there. Looking at Walker's, I'm just just saying. I think that's a pretty good trade. He's played ninety minutes the last four rounds and six, six, seven, one. Oh yeah, right. It's not as silly as what you think. Interesting. Anyway, it's out there. I'm just going to leave it there because that's what I was going to offer that to you at some point. Um, it's not as like silly I said, as what you might think. Like I said, I'm not making a decision now. Knowing that I've got multiple offers on the table, maybe I'll just bite the bullet and say, you know what, Gilby, you're in a ridiculously strong position. How would you like the potential to strengthen that even more? And we'll take it from there. Well, what would you say if it was as Piliqueta for Robertson? Uh, I'd say we're getting closer. We'd probably have to sweeten the deal with the second trade that was also close. Not a one-sided trade, but um, yeah, maybe for somewhere in the midfield department. But then obviously that's kind of difficult with your Rashford situation, but... I just wanted to see what value you're putting on Robertson at the moment. So, yeah, interesting. Uh, starting point. We said it at the very start when we did the draft and, you know, Isaac had this philosophy that it doesn't matter if it's a forward or a defender or a goalkeeper. If they're going to score 300 points, they're going to score 300 points. And I drafted TAA and Robbo higher than most people thought they would go accordingly. So, yeah, I... I put value on them, but not value that can't be reached. So plenty to think about. Mm. I think probably a good segue there is keep an eye out on the socials for any potential draft and trades that might go through. Yeah, there could be a a fair few coming this way. Yeah. Could be a fair few coming this way. Well, look, guys, I think that's a good place to end this particular episode. So, uh, I think there'll be a a lot to talk about next week. And obviously we'll look at the game weeks ahead. Um, You know, our waivers wouldn't have happened at that point. So I'm not sure how much we'll be talking about that. Um, Knowing Gilby, he won't want to talk about it at all because he'll have the last choice, but that's okay. Um, So guys, thank you very much for another, another great podcast. I hope you all three of you have a fantastic week and um, we'll obviously be here the same time next week. Take care. Good luck, boys. See ya.